0: Today, for your listening pleasure, we have an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on July 20th of 2014 under the headline, Bunko Kelly, the Coyote of Portland's Waterfront Mythos. Here we go. In last week's article, we talked about the most notorious Shanghaiing artist of the old Portland waterfront, Joseph Bunko Kelly. Last week we explored what we actually know about this colorful 1890s evildoer. In this article, we'll talk about stories we're pretty sure are not historically accurate, that is, the myths. Most of those myths came down to us through a series of conversations held in a local watering hole in the early 1930s between legendary Oregon raconteur Stuart Holbrook and an aging waterfront thug named Edward Spider Johnson. Spider Johnson had, in his youth, been a runner for sailors' boarding houses. Runners were kind of like the outside sales force for a boarding house. They met incoming ships arriving in harbor, handed out bottles and cigars to the crew, and tried to talk as many as possible into checking into the boss's lodgings rather than staying aboard ship or choosing a competing boarding house. So Johnson clearly knew what he was talking about. The question is, did he tell it straight or did he exaggerate a few things just, you know, to make a better story? And did Holbrook write his stories as he told them, or did he exaggerate a few things himself? Remember, this was at the height of the Great Depression, and Holbrook was paying the bills with his pen. How well he would eat the next month depended on how compelling his copy was. As a side note, it is illuminating to compare Holbrook's accounts of Bunko Kelly's adventures as written for a nationwide audience in the American Mercury in the late 40s with the original articles from the Portland Morning Oregonian written 15 years earlier. Thrilling details are added, conversations are recreated and resculpted, and key facts are changed. In any case, most of the stories that came out of the Holbrook-Johnson drinking dates have proven to be highly suspicious. And nowhere is this more clear than the legends of Bunco Kelly. Let's talk about a few of those legends. According to Johnson, Kelly earned his name, Bunco by one evening snaffling the big wooden Indian at a local cigar store, and after wrapping it in a tarp selling its services to a particularly thick ship captain as an AB, or able-bodied mariner. Writing in the American Mercury, Holbrook says Bunko did this by slipping aboard ship with the big wooden thing, which, by the way, stood a foot and a half taller than Bunko, who was 5'3", and hauling it directly to the forecastle where the sailors slept. Spelled Forecastle, by the way, but it's pronounced foxhole. He stuck it in a bunk, covered it with blankets, and only then did he seek out the captain to collect his $50 fee. So, uh, did it happen? Well, maybe. Johnson recalled that Bunco established a boarding house deep in the North End shortly after arriving in Portland in the 1880s, but quickly learned that he could make more money in other ways. A naturally charming man, he soon made fast friends with the proprietresses of the North End's finer bordellos. Such entrepreneurs as Nancy Boggs, Liverpool Liz Smith, and Mary Cook would often receive customers who had no local connections and wouldn't be much missed if they vanished over the bar aboard a China-bound bark. So, Johnson tells us, when a skipper placed an order for manpower with Bunko Kelly, Bunko would immediately go forth to visit his lady friends and see if any anonymous loggers, itinerant hobos, or gawky farm boys were being entertained in one of their girls' cribs. And if there were, those boys stood a pretty good chance of waking up aboard ship well out at sea. The most notorious Bunko Kelly story, though, involves dead guys. Lots of dead guys, either 24 or 39, depending on whether Holbrook is writing in 1933 or 1948. Either way, that's a lot of dead guys. It seems, while on the prowl for a big order of ABs for a ship called the Flying Prince in late 1893, Bunko was having a run of tough luck. He visited the bordellos as usual, but the ladies were having a slow night. He visited his saloon-keeper friends, hoping to find a stranger or two to chat up and drink with but no luck. He was just on the point of giving up when he smelled something funny while leaving the Snug Harbor Saloon on Morrison Street. Investigating, he found that the smell was coming from the basement of the Johnson & Sons Undertaking Parlor. It seemed two or three dozen men had broken into the basement thinking they were in the saloon next door and had gotten started drinking from the barrels of alcoholic-smelling liquid which they found there, which as it turned out were full of formaldehyde. By the time Bunko found them, half of them were dead and the other half were dying. By God! Bunko gasped, according to Holbrook. Them stiffs has been drinking Undertaker's dope! I'm not charging any extra for that bad accent, but I'm fairly sure it was in the original rendering. Bunko's shock did not last long, though, as his crafty mind turned, as was its wont, to thoughts of commerce. Hastily closing the door so that his new friends would not be discovered and rescued by some night-stalking do-gooder, he quickly got to work. First he rounded up a posse of friends and associates to help him with the task of muscling dozens of dead guys down the road. Then he hired a fleet of hacks to haul his catch to the waterfront. Finally, he and his friends stowed the corpses securely in the bunks of the forecastle of the Flying Prince. And then, having collected $30 apiece for them, Bunko went on his way. The ruse was discovered the next day. Quote, Long before noon, the first mate made the hideous discovery in the forecastle. Holbrook writes. The ship put in an Astoria where the corpses were removed. Astoria newspapermen soon had the story on the wires. The sensation following the discovery of the dead men made a great rumpus in Portland. So Holbrook writes, There are, of course, a few reasons not to take him at his word. For one thing, there's no sign of any of the businesses he named in any historical record I've been able to find. No Snug Harbor Saloon, no Johnson & Sons Undertaking Parlor. There's no record of any British ship called the Flying Prince. I personally spent three and a half hours going through the daily Astorian archives on microfilm for calendar year 1893 and a little of 1894, and I found no reference to the incident at all. And during the extensive newspaper coverage of Bunko Kelly's murder trial the following year, there was not even a passing mention of it. So, uh, what really happened? Your guess is as good as mine. My guess, if you're curious, is that the story grew out of an accident in which Bunko accidentally overdosed a group of Shanghai'ing victims. Not 39, surely, but maybe four or six. And came up with The Undertaker's dope story to avoid being charged with murder. And the rumors just snowballed from there. But really, who knows? Who knows indeed? Apparently not even Spider Johnson. After recounting this tale in the 1933 article, he added, No, I don't know positive that that story is true, but it's one you'll hear from any of the old timers. Still, even though they can't tell us what really happened, we could do a lot worse than to study the stories of these old timers. Not as historical accounts, but as just stories. As part of a colorful and long-gone waterfront culture. Stories like... Paul Bunyan stories. And as a wonderful, possibly partly true, but probably not piece of historical Portland folklore, the adventures of Bunko Kelly have no equal. Key sources in this story included several works by Stuart Holbrook. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. Check out our hub page at offbeatoregon.com to explore all the other things we do or to find full citations and visuals that go with today's show. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details of that, see offbeatoregon.com slash cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficarra. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Offbeat Oregon history episodes are uploaded every weekday morning at around 6 a.m., so it'll be a couple of days before you get your next fix. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day and the subsequent weekend with good stuff. Bye now.